0: Hello and welcome to The Virtue Podcast. I am your host, Shona Virtue. This podcast is about, what is it about? It's about all things wellness, (laughs) health and wellness. As I always say, the good, the bad, and the downright disordered. And we use the biopsychosocial model as a means for looking at different health and wellness topics. So essentially, we'll look at anything from depression, which we're going to talk a little bit about today, to HRV, heart rate variability, allostatic load exposure therapy. <laughs> I'll even be using the biopsychosocial model to look at obesity, to look at menopause. Basically, it's a framework for really looking at the whole picture. Now I know that that term holistic has kind of been overused, I think, or hijacked in some ways, and so I'm trying to unhijack it, to re it <laughs> in my arsenal, which is the biopsychosocial arsenal. <laughs> so let's get on with it today. It is a little bit heavy, but it's a topic that is close to my heart because, you know what, this topic is close to everyone's heart because when we go through it, and I don't mean to be mysterious about it, but when we go through some of these things, I know you're going to be like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, okay, I tick that box. Uh, hmm Oh, okay. How? Hmm. That's interesting. And I know that this is going to be a very practical and applicable topic podcast episode which I really hope that they all are hey for those of you that are back welcome back thanks for coming back please if you haven't already hit not just the subscribe button or the follow button but also can you please rate the podcast we are getting loads and loads of listens and I know how easy it is to skip over rating because it doesn't matter much to you at the time you're like oh this was great but it really really helps to support the podcast to get it out there to get it to more people I don't monetize it so this is just accessible and inexpensive content that I'm trying to get out there that I think is really valuable that I often can't share on my Instagram page because it's just too long. Uh, And so some of these topics have so much nuance and I'm loving sharing them here because it just means that I can talk to you guys about topics and cover the grey, 50 shades of grey. Am I right? So give it a rating if you can, even a written rating is even better. I love reading your comments and what you guys think about it. And don't forget to share it with a friend. Let's get on with it. Today, we are looking at a topic that is going to be very relevant to anyone going through or anyone experiencing depression or depressive symptoms. However, I also think it's relevant for anyone who is just feeling a bit kind of meh or you know apathetic, like you're still functioning in society. You just happen to feel this underlying disconnect from joy. Or maybe you're living with someone who feels this way and you don't know how to support them. You want to understand more. Now, another person that I think this might be relevant for as well is anyone who has been through recently a breakup or you've lost someone close to you and that grief is causing you to feel a little bit numb, in fact, and you're noticing that your behavior has changed a lot. Today, we're going to deep dive into something that I think is so useful, so practical that I wish was taught in more areas and it's called behavioral activation theory. Now, behavioral activation theory is an approach primarily used in treating depression, but we're not just going to talk about it in the context of depression. I use its principles and tenets to actually guide how I make my fitness, my flexibility, my yoga programs, particularly for clients who are struggling with motivation. Now, at its core, BA, short for Behavioral activation, sure you're with me there, is rooted in the belief that depression is often related to a reduction in pleasant and meaningful activities or an increase in negative or unpleasant activities, or more likely in both. And it really focuses on targeting these activity patterns as a means for reducing these depressive symptoms that we're going to talk about in a second. Now, because today is going to be very heavy on psychology, we have to get a few definitions out of the way, as well as some key theories around behavior. But once we get through that part everything will make so much more sense so that's why i've kept that maybe potentially slightly dry more psychological stuff at the beginning of this so that it just means that this ba theory and ba treatment just hits different you know what i mean and I know that if you can grasp these concepts, which I obviously I know you can, you're going to walk away from this podcast with a sense of hope, a sense of, dare I say it, relief, relief that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and this kind of proverbial tunnel that maybe you find yourself in today, right? Or that you find someone that you love in. So let's get into it. We're going to begin with a little roadmap so that we know where we are going we're starting with these important definitions they are important they are a little dry and they are kind of spread throughout to be honest but once we get them out of the way everything is going to make so much more sense and mean more to us this is going to be followed by behavioral activation theory what it is and more importantly why i think it's important not just for those of us who are experiencing depression but also honestly I understand why this isn't more widely taught. Finally, I'm gonna leave you with two exercises. These are specific exercises, one of them specific for BA, and the other one is something that I think is important in understanding and deepening the first exercise. Okay, one is called a values inventory, and the other is called an activity schedule. Okay, now that we know where we're going, let's talk about today's objectives. When I am finished with you, you will have a better understanding of depression from a behavioral psychology perspective, which will in turn help you to, A, take better control of unhealthy behaviors, better engage with and practice healthy behaviors, unlock new mechanisms for accessing motivation and drive to engage with the right behaviors, the behaviors that are in alignment with your values. And finally, I do really want you to walk away with I guess tools and strategies that will help you to either support yourself or those around you who might be going through it. We've got a lot to get through, so let's get it on. Actually, before we do, let's, let's just take a moment. I'm going to get more comfy in my chair. We're going to rewire our cognition for the podcast ahead. So let's relax our bodies. We're going to focus our mind using the power of the breath and relaxation of certain body parts. So we're gonna go ahead and relax the jaw, relax the shoulders, wrists, fingers. Notice anywhere you're carrying unnecessary tension. Maybe you're moving, you're cooking, you're driving, you're doing something and that's fine. But just scan your body for anywhere that's holding unnecessary tension. Back of the neck, maybe the back of the eyes, maybe your forehead, your face. And try to use this next exhalation to relax those areas. Now we're going to take a deep breath in. We're going to take the breath all the way in. Fill the lungs completely. Hold that breath and feel that beautiful alertness that comes from a fresh inhalation. In fact, take an extra sip of breath in. Really stretch that rib cage capacity. And then we're going to open the mouth, let it all go. Beautiful. We're here and we're ready to go. Now, if you've ever been sad for a prolonged period of time, sometimes you'll notice that that sadness turns into apathy. And eventually, that apathy causes you to sway towards two main types of behavior either an avoidance of healthy and positive behaviors, right? So maybe we start to do less exercise spend less time in nature see our friends a little bit less and the second thing that happens is that we start to engage more with unhealthy behaviors now specifically these unhealthy behaviors are ones that reinforce avoidance of the healthy ones so there's a little bit of a pattern going on here right so maybe it starts off with like less exercise less time with friends okay that's avoidance of healthy positive behaviors And instead, it becomes more time at home, more time scrolling on the couch, watching Netflix, just staying at home. And that causes you to reinforce the avoidance behavior right? Less cooking. Maybe we just order takeout. All of this stuff reinforces not just the unhealthy behavior, but it actually perpetuates the avoidance of the healthy ones because they don't feel quite as good. They're not as reinforcing in the immediate as the avoidance behaviors are. And often this happens off the back of a trigger. Something causes this initially to occur. And it could be any number of things, breakup, divorce, job loss, like anything that is arguably negative in your eyes, not just in the eyes of society, can lead you into that depression cycle. Now, these things creep up over time. They aren't in and of themselves bad, right? Like staying at home and watching Netflix isn't a bad thing in and of itself, but it is if it's stopping you from engaging in other healthy behaviors if it becomes excessive and over time they reinforce that depressive symptom and lead to depression. Okay so as I said we need to go over some definitions first but essentially that is the foundation of what behavioral activation theory posits is the one of the main initial triggers and uh, I want to say perpetuators but I don't even know if that's really a word. One of the main things that helps to perpetuate or patterns that perpetuates depression and these depressive low motivation feelings. Okay, so back to definitions. I really want to reiterate that this podcast is not about depression, but it is worth defining so that we're all on the same page here, but also so that I can hopefully remove some of the stigma. And in a second, you're going to understand why it's super important that we get more comfortable talking about the big D word, okay, and more comfortable acknowledging when we move in and out of these depressive phases. Depression, or more specifically, clinical depression, is a mental health condition that's characterized by persistent feelings of sadness or a lack of interest in pleasure and previously enjoyed activities. Okay, now this condition can affect our thoughts, feelings, behaviours and physical health. Now, here are some of the main symptoms of depression. And I think when I t- say these, you're probably going to be like, oh, my God, well, I take quite a few. of. The- I mean, I certainly do. And so that's why I guess I want to normalise this in some way. It's like a lot of what I say, you're going to be like, wait, am I depressed? So let me read them out and we'll talk about what really constitutes you know, a clinical depression. Okay. So persistent sadness or low mood, right? Loss of interest or pleasure changes in appetite. So increased appetite and weight gain can mean depression, but it also can be reduced appetite or weight loss, sleep disturbances, difficulty falling asleep, staying asleep, oversleeping, fatigue, feeling tired all the time, lacking in energy, feelings of worthlessness or excessive guilt persistent negative feelings about oneself or feelings of guilt over perceived past mistakes, rumination, that kind of thing. Difficulty concentrating or making decisions. There's also physical symptoms um, and these can really include aches and pains, headaches, digestive problems. A lot of the time they can be physical complaints that don't have a clear medical cause. We've got restlessness or slowed behavior thoughts of death or suicide and this is definitely one that is not to be taken lightly not also to be like oh my gosh more stigma more stigma definitely worth normalizing the conversation about these things and normalizing going and speaking to health professionals about them it's not a bad thing doesn't mean you're bad it doesn't mean it doesn't have to mean anything but it is important obviously that we go and speak about these things if we are having them And we've also got feelings of hopelessness and irritability. Now, distinguishing between clinical depression and just experiencing depressive symptoms really is down to severity, frequency, and duration. And these things can vary amongst all of us, obviously, right? So not all people with depression will experience all of these symptoms, and some can even experience some that aren't listed here. There's also cultural differences in how depression is reported. I found this particularly interesting when I first learned about clinical depression. In China, for example, it can be reported more in a physical sense rather than in its cognitive or emotional sense that we may express in the West. The other thing that I just really want to draw our attention to is you might not be diagnosed with clinical depression to be able to relate to some of those symptoms, right? Like As I said, I've definitely ticked the box for so many of these before and they've come and gone at different times in my life life. So it's really about taking note, as I said, of the severity, frequency, and duration. And these things have to be, obviously for clinical depression, it has to be diagnosed by a qualified health professional, not on a podcast. (laughs) So that's not what I'm attempting to do here. And I definitely... I definitely want to flag that this podcast is not an attempt to substitute professional medical care. Instead, my intention for this session is actually to use something that is used for depression in an everyday context because I think it's powerful for all all of us, right? Even if we're not experiencing clinical, intense, heavy depressive symptoms, most of us are going to be able to relate to those symptoms at some point in our life. And I think that these tools and strategies and this methodology from BA Is so useful. So, BA is an approach primarily used in treating depression, but it's just one psychological theory. There's obviously biological theories too, right? We've got like the monoamine theory, which is looking at neurotransmitters. We've got the neuroplasticity theory, and that suggests that depression is associated with reduced neuroplasticity, particularly in the hippocampus. We've got Neuroinflammatory hypothesis, the endocrine hypothesis, like these are all really looking at the physiology. But today we're going to be using the behavioral lens because I think this lens can be applied to everyone. Okay. I know that I know I'm repeating myself. You're catching on to the theme here. Okay. But I think if we can apply this behavioral lens to everyone, then it means we're all getting the benefit regardless of whether we're experiencing depression or not. Whereas with the physiological stuff, it's very much rooted in something that would require you to go over a certain threshold in, right? To prove your physiology meets that criteria. And it's not to discredit it or to discredit the use of medication in these circumstances. However, I think that taking on this and understanding this and being equipped with this behavioral lens is beneficial, like I said, for everyone. Okay. So in order to do this, (laughs) to understand the behavioral lens, we're going to talk about behavior. Okay. And behavioral activation is rooted in the work of a revolutionary behaviorist. His name is B.F. Skinner. And he got his ideas actually from another American psychologist or his inspiration, Edward Thorndike. Now, this is not really one of those podcasts. I love those like historical podcasts, but we're not going to go into detail in the history. I just really wanted to honor their names and their works. Anyway, (laughs) we have to understand a teeny bit about operant conditioning in order to get a better understanding of why BA is so profound and why your behaviors matter so much. So let's strap in. and conditioning is a fundamental concept in psychology, all of psychology. Okay. And it describes how behaviors are learned and strengthened or weakened based on their consequences. So let's break down some of those key terms that I've just mentioned. Behavior is an action made by an individual or even an animal, right? Humans, we're animals. Now to define consequence, essentially after the behavior happens, something else follows. This is the consequence. Now, the consequence can either make it more or less likely that the behavior is going to happen again. And according to B.F. Skinner, we've got a few types of consequences. We've got something called a reinforcement. Now, this makes a behavior more likely to happen again. There's two kinds of reinforcements there's a positive reinforcement, and there's a negative reinforcement. Now, this is not to be confused with. A lot of people assume that positive reinforcement means that it's positive in its feeling, like it's good, but that's not necessarily the case. Positive in this case means to add something. So this is when you add a good behavior, like giving a dog a treat for sitting, for example. A negative reinforcement is when you take something bad away after a behavior. And an example of that might be something like turning off a loud noise when a certain action is done, right? So it's removing something, but that removal of something reinforces the behavior. Now punishment is the other type of consequence, and that makes a behavior less likely to happen. So we've got a positive punishment, and this is when you add something, right? Because positive punishment is like a bit confusing. You're like, what? How is there ever a time when something is positive and it's a punishment? Positive punishment is when you add. So it's add or take away. and You're adding something bad after a behavior, right? Like I don't know, spraying your cat with water when they do something bad. <laughs> I don't know. So if people do that. I don't have a cat. Uh, I don't have a cat right now. I did have a cat, but no, I don't have a cat right now. And I never used to spray water in her face because apparently it doesn't work. Then we've also got <laughs> negative punishment. And this is when you take away something good after a behavior, like taking away a toy when a rule is broken. So The main idea is that behavior is influenced by what happens afterward. If good things happen after a behavior, we're probably more likely to do it again. If bad things happen, we'll probably do it less. It's kind of like learning by trial and error. Now, obviously, I've got to cover some of the limitations. Like, behavior is... Operant conditioning kind of ignores a lot, right? Behavior is way more complex than that. Operant conditioning, you know, focuses really on only observable behaviors. So it misses out on addressing some of the things that we can't see, right? Like, individual biological influences but also the fact that humans are complex creatures right we have stories about things we have societal influences these things are influencing our behaviors in a much more covert way that we can't just simply say it's about consequence only okay so it's massively oversimplifying things but it still is foundational So if we come back to B.A., understanding B.A., this is going to make so much more sense now that you have an understanding of operating conditioning. So a simple breakdown of behavioural activation theory. So life events, essentially like the first premise is that life events such as losses, failures, trauma, they can all lead to a reduction in rewarding or meaningful activities. So for example, if someone loses a job, right? They might stop going out, seeing friends and engaging in hobbies. Okay. These previously rewarding activities. Now, rewarding activities, I will just say has a specific criteria here, because it can't just be something that feels good, or, you know, we'd all just be using casual sex and Mandy water to treat depression. And <laughs> that is categorically definitely not what we're trying to do here. But essentially it's like, if something bad happens, it stops you from engaging in a good behavior that has good outcomes for your health and your well-being. The second thing is that that then leads to an avoidance and a withdrawal. So often those of us with depression or depressive symptoms might avoid situations or activities that are potentially rewarding because we anticipate failure or we believe that we won't enjoy them. Right. That goes back to our operant conditioning concept there, because it's like, well, if you don't think that there's going to be a positive experience afterwards, if it's not a reinforcer, then we're going to be way, way, way less likely to engage with it. And that causes actually instead avoidance and withdrawal. And this avoidance can worsen depressive symptoms by further reducing exposure to positive, to feel good, to well-being based experiences and behaviours. So those are sort of like the initial, I guess, causes that behavioral activation proposes for depression or depressive experiences and perpetuation of it, right? Now, how does it aim to kind of eradicate it or help with it? Well, one of the initial steps in behavioral activation is to monitor daily activities and the rate and the mood associated with each of these. And this helps us to recognize patterns between what we're doing and how we're feeling about what we're doing. So once those patterns are identified, we are then encouraged to schedule more positive or meaningful activities, right? Even if we don't initially feel like it. And this can help to break the cycle of avoidance and increase exposure to positive experiences. So before I go further, can we just like have a little recap here? Because what we need to understand is that the more that we avoid what makes us feel good, and when I say feel good, I mean that feel good has to align with the values and our self-identity and who we believe we are. The more that we disconnect from the behaviors that help us, the more we start to move into avoidance and depressive feelings so there's this cycle that's forming I'm, I'm pretty sure that you're catching on but I'm just going to go over it it's like you start to avoid exercise that makes you feel a bit crap okay now that crappy feeling can then lead to more avoidance of it because <laughs> and I know it sounds counterintuitive but it happens we feel like it's harder and harder and harder to get started now let's put exercise out of the equation here and just consider something like hanging out with friends I have felt these depressive symptoms before and I in fact when something negative happens to me if I go through a breakup one of the biggest things I have to be really careful of and my friends know me my closest friends know me enough to help me with this but one of the biggest things that I will do is I will move into an avoidance behavior I don't want to see my friends. I don't want to bring any kind of pain to them. I don't want to be heavy. And so because I don't want to be heavy because I'm a people pleaser, I then feel like, okay, it's best to just avoid spending time with them. When in reality, it's that social connection with people around you that can help you to move out of the rumination. It can help you to just feel better through another a number of mechanisms, right? It can be like hormonal, so it can be physiological, but it can also be psychologically feeling better. And if I feel better, then I'm more likely to do it over time. So we can sort of see how that pattern forms, right? And this is why <laughs> that Nike slogan, just do it. Is so important. Even the slogan, another slogan I love, which is, Nothing changes if nothing changes. I know it's not really used in the context of bad feeling necessarily, but it's like if we are stuck in a period of low motivation, we can't keep just trying to find the reasons why, right? Cognitively or intellectually. Sometimes what it takes is for us to, quote unquote, just do it, just get it done. From there, over time, we get those endorphins back and it reinforces the behavior and we pull ourselves out of this cycle. So if we come back (laughs) to my, what I thought was going to be a simple breakdown of behavioral activation theory, another process that happens after we have done this activity scheduling, right? So once those patterns are identified then we look at the schedule scheduling of more meaningful activities so once we've done that step the next step is to really identify values and long-term goals okay now I actually think that the order has to sort of go slightly differently I think that maybe those two things have to happen simultaneously because I think we need to understand in order to kind of schedule activities, we do need to understand like, well, what are the activities that align best with my values? And that's what's going to tie into our two exercises that I'm going to give you. Finally, working on those avoidance patterns. So behavioral activation really focuses on understanding and tackling avoidance behaviors. You know, this can be done by very gradually exposing us to feared or avoided situations in a controlled manner. And that ties into my exposure therapy stuff and episode. If you haven't listened to that, make sure you give that one a listen, because we do have to In order to move away from avoidance, we just have to gradually, in a really graded way, a really soft, gentle way, start to expose ourselves to the things that we're avoiding. Now, finally, as we engage in more rewarding activities and we face avoided situations, we often experience improvements in mood and it's this positive feedback that reinforces the benefits of staying active and facing avoidance, which can lead to further engagement in meaningful activities and more mood improvement. Okay. Which is just basically like do the healthy stuff. The healthy stuff makes you feel better. Do less of the avoidance stuff and you're going to feel great. And it's going to pull you out of the depressive cycle. Now I know, I know it sounds like when I first heard this at university, I was like, there is no way this is legit. <laughs> and then I had to do a huge literary review, literary review on it. And I read so much on the papers for and against, actually. And I was just blown away at the simplicity of this concept <laughs> and just like, okay, to the point where many, many psychologists, many therapists will argue that it's too simple. But Let me summarise. Behavioural activation theory suggests that depression, and I would argue any levels of depression, even mild levels of depression, or any experience of those depressive symptoms that I mentioned result from a lack of healthy reinforcement from the environment, right? And it really just focuses on increasing engagement with rewarding activities. What does this mean for us? Okay. And when I say us, I mean everyone, not just people suffering from clinical depression, Okay, but when you're just feeling in that meh phase, okay, you just hit an absolute wall. Why do I think this is important? Because we often try to fix the feeling by unpacking it further okay by trying to find some underlying reason for why we're not feeling motivated I mean you see it all through Instagram I often find myself kind of writing and ruminating on these things you know maybe it's because the program's not right for me maybe it's because I have some deep underlying self-worth issue maybe it's because I'm the problem it's me kind of Taylor Swift type thing but I'm going to say and behavioral activation says no maybe it doesn't have to mean anything and instead you just need to break the cycle with action action that is going to be a reinforcer something that feels good that is aligned with your values that will support you to achieve the things that will also make you feel good long term let me break that down again sometimes we just need to do the thing that we're putting off in order to start to make us feel good again We don't always need to look for the deep cognitive reasons as to why these things happen. And instead, we just need to engage with the healthy behavior. Now, by no means am I saying that cognition isn't important, okay, because you guys know that I love my CBT. I love cognitive behavioral therapy. I'm not saying you shouldn't try to understand your thoughts, but sometimes it's a lack of action that's reinforcing the feeling. And then you're there trying to understand the bad feeling when in reality, if you just change the behavior, the feeling would start to dissipate and so there wouldn't be a need to try to get to the bottom of it okay in a 2016 randomized controlled non-inferiority trial comparing behavioral activation and cognitive behavioral therapy for treating depression both treatments were found to be similarly effective in reducing depression symptoms at 12 months now really important in this study to mention is that BA which is much simpler to be implemented or provided. It doesn't require as much training from a mental health worker when compared with cognitive behavioural therapy, which really does require a highly trained professional. It, it just doesn't need as much attention. So essentially, <laughs> like, it's cheaper to implement. It's easier to implement. With the rising cost of living, with increases in depression, and maybe many of us just experiencing these milder versions but not necessarily enough to elicit like really intense treatment. I think this is like kind of profound, right? I wanted to discuss BA because I think it's so accessible. And I know that while many people will disagree with me here, I really, really, really want psychology to be more accessible for all of us outside of the context of, you know, a therapy session. That's not me saying don't go to therapy, but it's definitely me saying that I think we should just all at least understand these things, right, so that we can use them so that we can even bring them to our therapy sessions and say, hey, I'm a bit interested in this. Do you think this could work for me? Or, hey, I've been processing my thoughts in this way and you can organize it and take it to your health professional. I also just think that this stuff is so useful and I get so sad that more health professionals don't know even the basics of it. Okay so we're almost there we are going to talk about the exercises that we can do today right as i've said before this podcast is about introducing things that you can do today so they help you for behavioral activation so your homework if you will for this week two exercises, an activity schedule. So an activity schedule is a therapeutic tool and it's used to systematically plan and increase engagement in our rewarding or meaningful activities so that we can start to break down those patterns of avoidance, right? Rumination and even the inactivity that perpetuates the depression or low feelings. Now, we're not going to do a proper activity schedule because this podcast is not about trying to self-treat or attempting to self-treat clinical depression. I'm just suggesting that those of you who might have been feeling a bit bare, a bit low in drive motivation can experience huge benefits from engaging in an activity schedule. And I know that I have a lot of trainers listening, a lot of coaches. Maybe you want to work through this kind of stuff with your client, particularly if they're feeling really low in motivation or take some of these principles. So an activity schedule in BA typically involves the following components. First of all, there's a baseline monitoring. Okay, so just like you might uh, monitor someone with uh, like a food diary, this is about monitoring activities. So before planning new activities, we have to monitor the current ones, right, to establish a baseline. And then second, we'd be looking at activity selection. So we might guide ourselves to choose activities that were previously enjoyable or are aligned with our personal values or goals. And these could range from simple activities like taking a walk or reading a book to more complex ones like, you know, really specifically pursuing a hobby or reconnecting with old friends. Then, we've got scheduling. So the activities are then scheduled for specific times and days. Now this step is crucial because setting a specific time increases the likelihood that the activity is going to be carried out. It is not enough to just be like, yeah, cool. I like these activities. They make me feel good. Like I'll try and do them. I'll write a list and I'll do them. You have to schedule them. Then we want to rate the mood. So alongside the activity schedule, We want to rate our mood or level of enjoyment both before and after engaging in the activity. And I would even go as far to say during. Now, this helps in understanding the impact of specific activities on mood and provides this kind of like nice big general feedback about which activities are most beneficial. Then we want to review and reflect. So in later sessions, you might want to come back and review the activity schedule, discuss what has been going well right? Either discussing with your trainer or with yourself um, or your therapist and any barriers that kind of came up from engaging with and maybe why. And if mood influenced that barrier, right? And it's super useful to gather that kind of information so that you can plan for future activities. And then finally, we also want to acknowledge that, you know, some of these activities, particularly if you have like severe depression or anxiety, You might want to break them down into smaller, more manageable steps, right? And that allows you to kind of just take things on slowly. So if any of what I've just said to you feels really overwhelming, like keep it really, really simple. It doesn't have to be like a bunch of activities straight away. Now, the activity schedule in behavioral activation is not merely just a list of activities, right? It is a very structured tool that helps us to re-engage with our environment It also helps us to challenge negative beliefs that we might have about ourselves through the experience, and it helps to increase that experience of pleasure or mastery, I will say all mastery, all of which can help to counteract both depression or even just that feeling, right? That low motivation feeling. Now, the second activity, (laughs) it's called a values inventory, and it's an assessment or a tool another tool, we love tools, (laughs) to help all of us identify and clarify core values. Like it's super simple. But these are essentially our values are the beliefs, principles and ideals that give meaning and direction to our life. Now, understanding our values can really help in decision making, in setting priorities and obviously leading to a fulfilling life. Now to do a values inventory, you can download, I mean, there's loads of them on the internet. You can just download them and they just will have like a list, right? And they they might include things like honesty, family, nature, financial security, health, learning, service to others. Like there's so many, right? Just list a whole bunch of things that you could value in life. Uh, And that's why I find it easier to actually download it. Because sometimes you're like, when you try to write them, there are things you're not going to think about, right? Right. And then the next step is to rank or to rate. And so we basically want to look at the importance or the resonance we feel, and we want to rank them in resonance with that. And this helps in distinguishing which values are most central to one's identity, to one's sense of well-being. Then reflection and analysis is always very important. So after identifying those primary values, we might want to then reflect on how these values are being reflected in our life, like do our current activities really reflect all of these main values that we have? And a lot of the time, a lot of the time there might be discrepancies between stated values and actual behaviors. And that cognitive dissonance leads to a lack of self-trust, which I've talked about before in that lack of self efficacy that we can have because we just don't believe that we've got our own back because... We don't do not just what we say we'll do, but we don't do what we say is really important to us. And then finally, the last step is really goes back to this activity scheduling. So then we want to look at okay, how are we going to action plan this? How are we going to make sure that I'm hitting some of these values in my day to day activities? I know that was a lot. How are you feeling? Let's have a quick summary. Behavioural activation is a therapeutic approach designed to treat depression by helping us to really understand the link between our behaviour, our emotions and our thoughts, right? By identifying and increasing engagement in the positive and meaningful activities. Now, BA aims to really reduce depressive symptoms by breaking the cycle of avoidance, inactivity and negative mood. Now, this approach really emphasizes the role of reinforcement in shaping behavior and helps us to reconnect with our values and sources of pleasure or achievement. Even if we aren't experiencing depression, behavioral activation can really offer the tools and strategies for enhancing well-being and life satisfaction. I really feel like by understanding and applying the BA method, I think that we can proactively manage our mood, increase our resilience, and cultivate a more fulfilling life. If you are experiencing depression or depressive symptoms, absolutely seek out professional help. This podcast is not a substitute for that. However, behavioral activation concepts may help you out of a rut or even be offered as something you want to talk about with your health professional. I hope that you found today useful. If you did, please consider sharing it with someone right like a friend a lover a colleague even share it to your stories I don't monetize this I'm just wanting to make these concepts and tools way more accessible to everyone like <laughs> let's let's make health and wellness great again You know what I mean let's make it accessible and useful again you know because I really feel like I wish I had this information growing up it would have saved me a ton of heartbreak anyway you live and you learn right Actually, sometimes you just live and you don't learn and that's why you need podcasts like this to help break that negative depressive cycle. I'm sending you so much love for the week ahead and I will chat to you next week.